You are listening to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast, and this is episode number 34. This episode is brought to you by the Visionary Journal. The Visionary Journal is a day planner, goal-setting guide, and mini vision board that helps you break down your goals into actionable steps that you can integrate into your daily life. Check it out and order your own copy by visiting visionaryjournal.co. This episode is also brought to you by Living Over Existing, a digital media platform for women entrepreneurs who want to grow their businesses without sacrificing living the life they desire. On Living Over Existing, you will find tips on how to grow your business, as well as lifestyle and wellness topics to help you live your life with intention. To celebrate their one-year anniversary and to grow the platform to the next level, they just launched their crowdfunding campaign and they need your help. You can learn more about their mission and the campaign by visiting Help Low Grow. That's Help loegrow.com Welcome to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast with Monique Malcolm, a show about creative people leveraging their brilliance to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the chorus of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast. Welcome to another episode of Temp Your Brilliance. I am your host, Monique Malcolm. And if you're new around here, welcome. The Pimp Your Brilliance podcast is a show for and about creative entrepreneurs. And I regularly share inspiring interviews along with actionable steps to help you move forward with building your own dream business. So if this is your first time, if this is your very, very first episode that you're listening to, you're in for a treat because today I am interviewing the wonderful Kathleen Hart. Kat is a salary negotiation coach and motivational speaker who supports ambitious women to dream big, live bold, and earn more. Through her salary negotiation bootcamp, Be Brave, Get Paid, she teaches underpaid women how to confidently own their worth and ask for more. Kat is also the host of the Big Leap Show podcast, where I have been a guest, so you might want to check that out and add it to your podcast app where she interviews entrepreneurial women about their journey from dreaming to doing. And in this episode, Kat shares how she quit her job to travel the world. It's a really great story. She shares tips for negotiating your own salary and three steps to ask for more out of life. So if you're ready, grab your pen and your notebook and let's get into it. Hey, Kat, welcome to the show. Hey, Monique. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, I'm so excited to have you. I feel like I say this all the time, but I'm excited every time somebody says yes to come onto the show, but I'm (laughs) especially excited to chat with you because we always have such good calls and such good chats. And I feel like when people talk about like community over competition, like our friendship and relationship is like the definition of that because we just like check in and like support each other and try to see like holding each other accountable and all of these things that we have going on even though what we do in some ways is similar. Like we have the same idea about like people living their best lives. So yeah. I feel like this is going to be a really fun call. 
Yeah, we literally can talk, I feel like, for hours and be like, uh-oh, it's been, it's been a hot minute. I haven't eaten yet. We got to go <laughs> I know. move on for the rest of the day. So, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And I totally agree. You know, it's one of those things where, like, um, you can feel lonely when you're doing something. And it feels like, oh, I don't want to reach out to any competition, quote unquote. But, like, honestly, the more that you can, the better. Because then you are in it together with other people. And it just makes it more enjoyable um, to do it every every day. Exactly. So I am ready to dive in if you are. So introduce yourself. Tell us about your business and how you make a living. Yeah, how I make that money. Uh, So my name is Kathleen Hart. I'm the creator of a salary negotiation course called Be Brave, Get Paid. I'm also the host of a podcast called The Big Leap Show. And what I love to do over everything is really, you know, speak to women and ignite a flame in them to really make them go from dreaming to doing. So do coaching as well. I make my money mostly through the course, kind of a balance of the course coaching, speaking. Um, and then I do take on clients for different kinds of work, whether it's um, just like consulting with business development, things like that. But that's basically how I make my money. Yes. And she is, she's got a pretty inspiring story about how she used money to start <laughs> living her best life. So why don't you take us back to the beginning and share with us how you got started? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, growing up, money was one of those things, you know, I never set out to be like, oh my God, I'm going to empower everybody to want money and negotiate for more. Um, Actually, in fact, when I was a kid, I really didn't like money at all. Uh, It was really stressful to me. It just brought up a lot of anxiety because my parents fought a lot about it. There was always this feeling of lack, even with things like, you know, shopping. It's like, you know, we can't afford that or you don't need that or that's wasteful. Um, And these aren't messages that my parents did in any way to kind of you know, have this negative influence. It was just kind of the reality of um, our situation and how we dealt with it. And so for me, I kind of grew up feeling like, "Ah, you know what, money causes a lot of stress. I don't want anything to do with it. I just want to focus on doing good in the world. So that driver, you know, led me to, you know, graduate from college and I started working in nonprofit is what I dreamed about doing. I wanted to run programs and I was doing that. Uh, But I suddenly found myself driving like zero miles per hour in Los Angeles on the 10. If anybody lives down there or has been there um, day in and day out, less than 10 miles, but it would take me well over an hour. Uh, driving, in fact, to my business, the business that I worked for, the company's building was inside of an actual graveyard and um, the building had no windows. So I literally felt like I was driving to my death every single day. But in the back of my mind, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm doing it for the kids. I love the kids. Um, and so that's what kept me going. At the time, it was Facebook. Now it's totally Instagram of just like beautiful pictures. I'm going to Bali. I'm going to Thailand. And I was like, F all you people, you're making me so angry as I'm driving to work every day, miserable, Um, not being able to even afford like a latte, let alone even just like a drip coffee. So that frustration kind of bubbled up. And, you know, in the beginning, you don't really do anything about it. You're just like, well, that's just not my reality. I can't go travel the world. But for me, the desire was so strong that, you know, after a few years, it's like, I need to do something about this. And so that's when I began really learning about how to get in control of my money, how to pay off debt, you know, student loans everything, as well as how can I begin earning more? Because before I just thought, well, if I have to earn more, then I have to go into a job like banking or something that would help me earn more. And that's when I discovered this whole idea of salary negotiation. 
And for me, that was mind blowing. I just didn't know, like many people, all of us graduate from college, or even if you don't go to college, when you take that first job, like you just assume what they're giving you is fair and that you're happy for this position and you're going to move on with it. So for me, once I learned that this was a possibility, it literally was the game changer point in my career. Um, you know, over the next few years, I was able to double my salary multiple times through negotiation and eventually be able to save up enough money to quit my job and make that traveling expedition happen. And I've been traveling and also self-employed for the past five years since that day. You know, it really inspired me to help other people to take that sort of action for themselves um, and to really like take life into their own hands, get in control of their money, learn how they can earn more so that they can create the life they want to live. Oh, I'm just all excited. Like <laughs> listening to like, I have so many questions now about salary negotiation and I work for myself. But uh, before we even get into that, I want to talk about you quitting your job because this is yeah. the thing that everybody wants to know about. If you are in a job that you don't feel like is the thing or you yeah. want to transition to doing your own thing, there's always these questions about how did you quit your job? And everybody's story is different. So I'd like to hear about you. How did you quit your job? Yeah. So I agree. Like everybody's story is different. Um, you know, because for me, money was such an, a thing growing up of like stress. For me, it was really important that I didn't put myself in a place of financial stress when I quit my job. So I actually saved um, $16,000 in order to make that happen. That was my goal. Like literally I put that is in my savings account as the like nickname because you know you can, I don't know if you know this, but you can change a lot of the names to your bank account to like a nickname. So I had it as my goal of once I hit this number that I would quit my job. Um, and so I literally did that. What that did for me is that it, it gave me the budget to be able to have so much money to be able to travel because that's for me that was a what is important. If you're quitting to just start a business, you can have that as well for your business. Like this is your investment fund. Um, this is what you're going to use to get your business off the ground. And then in addition to that, I had so many months of emergency savings built up so that once I depleted that number, I knew that I would have three to six months um, before I needed to find a new job to be able to cover those basic expenses that I had before I was in a place where I was like, you know, going to be in the hole. So for me, financial I guess it, just independence and freedom is really important and I want to have that safety and security. And so that's what I needed to do. But for other people, maybe it's not so much, or maybe you have a lot of fallback, like you have family that can support you or a partner that can support you. Um, so that makes a difference. But, you know, for me, I was single. I mean, not single. I was had a partner, but, you know, I wasn't married and I wasn't reliant on them in any way. So it was really important for me to have that money in place to allow me that freedom. And that's why I do think financial empowerment is so important because it does allow you to start saying yes to yourself. So why did you decide on $16,000? Like, how did you get to that number? Yeah. So I was like, at that time, my expenses were at least um, going to be max $2,000 per month. So I knew that if I spent even just $10,000, which for me, 10000 was like, oh my God, that's so much money. So I knew with that while traveling, I could spend up to $10,000 and then I would have three months to find a job. So that felt good to me. Um, and I also had done research in terms of traveling. And I knew that from people I talked to, if you did it on the real, real cheap, um, that you could do it at about $1,000 a month. So I figured, well, then that gives me the ability to travel for six months, maybe even up to a year um, without having to worry about, am I going to be okay once I get back? Because I knew that even if I spent that much, then I could come back and have, you know, that runway of about three months to find a new job. 
So where did you travel to? I don't think I've ever asked you that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I started off in Bali. And then after that, I, uh, you know, and, and I like went all out with it. So in Bali, you know, that was the first time I ever went scuba diving. That was really amazing. I stayed in ashrams. Um, in Thailand, that's when I started really getting into meditation. So I did my first like two day or one day silent retreat. I also got scuba certified while I was there, open water diving, because I just fell in love with it, which is actually very funny because the first time when I did it in Bali, I had like a complete anxiety attack um which is a whole nother story we can go into why i had that anxiety attack but it was really really scary for me to get underwater um but once i did i was like oh my god this is amazing i love it so i actually got certified in thailand and then i went to india after that and i became a certified yoga teacher because uh, that was also something i dreamed about doing and, and got even deeper into meditation and then i went to nepal and in nepal did a lot of like trekking and walking around exploring and then in Nepal, what we did is, because um, I was traveling with my partner, we actually did one of those long 10-day silent retreats, which is what Elizabeth Gilbert did in Eat, Pray, Love. So I kind of followed that in a sense, but I didn't know that this is what she did. Um, and that was like a big game changer for me because I had never sat with myself for 10 days straight. You're not allowed to talk to anybody. You're not allowed to exercise. You're not allowed to read. You're not allowed to write. You literally wake up every day. I think we are up and meditating by 5 a.m. and then um, asleep by 10 p.m and you're just meditating all day like all day <laughs> so that experience really changed my life and I thought I was going to continue traveling but um, after I was done with that I was actually like you know what I'm actually ready to go back home and ready to take um, this first business which was really you know beginning to coach people uh, to this next level that I know it can be because I feel complete with my time of traveling here and I'm ready to start helping others Okay, so you're the first, no, you're the second person in the last <laughs> month who has mentioned a silent retreat <laughs> to me. Oh my gosh. I did not know this was a thing. And uh, when I went to um, San Francisco a few weeks back to go to the compact camp, there was a woman who was talking about her boss who goes on these silent meditation retreats. And I was like, what is that? And she was like, I don't know. But the thing, <laughs> the thing that she said that just made me laugh so hard was she said that when her boss would come back from them, he would talk yeah. nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> because he just had so much to say he was like listen you guys i thought about it i thought about it for five days <laughs> that's so funny well you do come out of it feeling so blissful like everybody just you get to this whole nother level where you're just like oh my god like life is good like ah oh, just feels so good like you're so much more aware of everything too like you know the trees but like the, everything stands out to you um it's kind of like a natural high because you ha have just been so focused for so long and so you can be very slowed down and appreciate everything that's happening um so i really love that and i've done you know several since and and i don't ever regret it so if it I would recommend it to anyone. It's very scary. But, you know, like I said, I did my first one in Thailand where it was literally one day. And I definitely, like, everyone talked in it at some point. We were like, hey, oh, we're not supposed to talk, but we're talking. Um, <laughs> but we built up from there. And then the 10 days was super hard. But, um, and I almost didn't do it because I was like, there's no way I can't talk for 10 days. But it was so worth it. It was so good. Well, that's definitely interesting. I'm going to put that on my, my to-do list and see to -do see what we can do. I'll put it on my yeah. bucket list and see, see what <laughs> we can make happen. All right. So I want to talk about some salary negotiating things because that seems to be a thread that keeps coming up and uh, the mm -hmm. financial security piece for you. So why do you feel like women aren't negotiating their salaries? Yeah. You know, well, one, I do want to say like, it's a universal fear. 
Like there's plenty of men too that I talk to where they're just like, I don't do it. I'm so scared too. But for women, I think it's even stronger because for many of us, we're so empathetic. We care so much. We're worried about how are they going to judge me, which is actually valid. You know, in, in many ways, women do face harsher repercussions by advocating for themselves. So we worry, um, you know, rightly so about how are they going to think about me about the, for doing this? You know, will they think of me as ungrateful? Um, and a huge one is, is we have this fear that they're going to take the job back. So nobody ever talks us through actually, you know, the validity of some of these fears, but actually what are the facts um, that you should be aware of? And because we never have these conversations, we kind of are powerless in the situation. So when they're giving us a job, we're just so grateful. It could often be cultural too, you know, cultural family and our friends. We have a lot of women that I work with where even they talk to their parents and they're like, my parents and even my partner talked me out of doing it. And they told me, you told me, just be grateful that you have a job. Um, so I think a lot of those stories about, you know, being grateful for something, you don't want to offend somebody. Are they going to take it back um, are huge for us that, you know, it causes us not to advocate for ourselves. And, and as a result, we're leaving thousands of dollars which could lead to million over a million dollars over our lifetime oh when you put it like that that's like oh <laughs> clearly <laughs> but and so being that this is your expertise and you've coached different people on this is this something mm -hmm. that like employers expect do they expect us as on some level to try to negotiate our salaries or is it just like one of those things like it are they are they taken aback when we do it oh my god no 100 110 percent they expect you to do it like all, every single, unless maybe you're a, a new business owner where you've never done it and you actually are giving them the best offer. You're like, honestly, this is the best I got. Like, why are you trying to negotiate? I'm giving you everything. For most employees, they have to keep in mind the fact that people will negotiate, um, even if not all of them do. So to keep their bottom mind in line, they'll always give you an offer in general that's lower than what is, you know, the max that they can do. A lot of companies will leave, you know, up to 10% wiggle room, which if you think about it, just is simple math, right? If you have a job that's, you know, an offer for $55,000, if you just remove one zero, that's 5,500. So quickly, that's the quick math that you can do of, you know what, there's probably a wiggle room of about 5,500. And the same goes for every, you know, dollar amount, just remove a zero. And that's probably the wiggle room that you have to work with. Um, how far you can get in that is really dependent on how you talk about yourself, how confident you are as a negotiator, but also what you're bringing to the table and how much they want you. Mm. Okay, so this brings a question, and I haven't, I have not gone through the interview process in, I don't know, at least six or seven <laughs> years. <laughs> it's been a while. But at what point are you supposed to negotiate a salary? Yeah. Well, also, I want to bring up for anyone that's listening, you know, this is so applicable, even for business owners, aspiring and also current, because, you know, when we think about for our business, Monique, right? Like if we're hiring somebody, we have the absolute, absolute max that's like, oh my God, I can't go over that. But we're not going to start with that number. No. We're going to start with the number that feels good. That's like, you know what? I would be really happy here. I'd be willing to do it, but it's not going to break my budget. Right. But then if we have somebody come to work for us where we're just like, they are an all star and we, they know it, we know it, we need them. We're going to be willing to go back up. Um, so I do want to put that out there because like, it can feel like, oh, this is just for this, but like, you got to take this advice and like bring it everywhere. Just keep in mind that like, for pretty much everything, lots of things are negotiable. Um, so don't just accept things at face value. Um, and, but speaking of, what was your original question? Because I forgot it in that whole riff. <laughs> uh, what at what point do you negotiate a salary? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's an amazing question. So here's another thing. And again, if we apply it to business owners as well, when you come out the gate, it's like, um, let's think about like a relationship, man and a girl, they just met first date. And then she's like, yo, like, so would you want to get married? And he's like, I'm sorry, do I know you yet? So you don't want to rush that conversation. You want to kind of like, you know, date a little bit to woo each other. You want that 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 feeling to be there of like, okay, we want this person before you really start to be talking about numbers. Um, they, if it's we're talking about a traditional job, there's a lot of places where numbers will come up. Often it comes up in the application. It'll also come up in the actual interview itself. And they'll also come up when they give you the offer. They're going to give you a number. The most ideal time in my book to negotiate and start having those conversations is during the offer. There are some people who say, you know what? You should start that during the interview and don't waste anybody's time. But for me, what I found in the women that I work with is, you know what? I really want to get them to the place where they're like, we need her no matter what, because you think that they won't be willing to go up. But really, it once you've hooked them, they'll they'll be able to move mountains for you if you are really the standout candidate. And so that's kind of the place I want to get everyone to where like, you know yourself so well and you know how badass you are, where you can talk about yourself in a way where they're going to be able to see that because in the negotiation room, the only person advocating for you is you. Um, so we need to get you to that place and we want you to get you that place once they've already given you the offer. All right. So awesome. So now I know. Wait till the <laughs> offer. What about if you've already been at a job for a bit of time and it's not like a fresh yeah. job? Yeah. So when you're there, I think one of the most important things to remember is that, you know, standard raises are about 3%. And there's many companies that don't actually do a standard raise. You know, people are like, I haven't gotten a raise in four years. Um, and so this is a time when it's like probably important for you to have those kind of conversations because, you know, cost of living increases every year. And so in order to keep up with that, you you need to make sure that you're getting those bumps. Um, when it comes time to actually negotiate, it can vary. Like some companies have times where they quote unquote say, this is the only time that we're going to discuss raises. There's always an exception to that rule. So just know that, that even if they say that to you, there is an exception, especially if you were a standout employee and they don't want to lose you. But in general, the thing that we do by mistake is that we assume, okay, my review is coming up in July. Therefore, I'm going to wait till July during my actual review to do that. That is a huge mistake. And again, this is not anything anyone teaches you. So it's okay that you're making it if you are. But by that point, they've already baked in the new budget. They've already re-looked at the numbers. You know, they're starting up the first quarter financially. They paid their taxes, et cetera. So they already know what they're budgeted out for employees' pay, and they already know what percentage you're going to get of that. And so it's really important that you're having these conversations, you know, even starting as much as six months before, just starting to have them even casually about what you're doing, what you're up for, what you're excited for, where you're going to be going, um, and be locking that in, even having those formal discussions, even three months before your actual review because at the time of the review it's most likely that they're not going to be able to move it up as much and they're going to say you know what maybe this is something we can do next year and you don't want that ball to keep moving forward for you that's really important oh thank you those were some really amazing tips so <laughs> i hope you guys were taking note because cat just dropped all those gems on you so if you're yeah. in a job and you need to make some more money this is how you do it you negotiate your salary mm -hmm. and you ask for more hey star chasers Still struggling to reach your goals? The Visionary Journal is a goal-setting system encompassing everything you need to successfully achieve your goals. It seamlessly blends goal-setting, visualization, planning your day-to-day, -day, and regular review to help you get from idea to done. 
The Visionary Journal is designed to help you transform your goals into actionable tasks and integrate them into your schedule. You start with the big picture areas of your life, set smart goals, create a 90-day action plan, and commit to doing the work that will move you closer to achieving that goal. For more information and to order your own copy, visit visionaryjournal.co. I know that one of the things that you really champion for is women knowing their worth and charging their worth and what value they offer. So let's talk about that. Where does one even begin to start with like thinking about what their worth is and and what they need to charge? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think this is huge because when we first start something, especially if, you know, say if you're working and you're starting a creative endeavor or you've taken that leap, you know, and you have quit your job and you're putting yourself out there in the beginning, there's this, there's this feeling that we can't seem to shape. That's so natural of, um, you know, it's the imposter syndrome. It's like, who am I to do this? Like, why would anybody pay for me to do this or to create this? Or, you know, there's already so many of these things out there. Like, why would I get that? And it's the same thing that happens within the job. But because in a job, there's just like clear there's a there's glass door where you can look up in general how much people are making um, and what market rate is and what you should be going for um, so that it makes it seem normal for you to advocate for a normal range. Whereas when you're starting a business, you're like, honestly, I'll just do it for free. In the beginning, you're just so willing to get that experience. So there's a little dance that I think that everyone has to do of like, you know, how long are you willing to do things for free or at a discounted rate? And at what point are you going to ha- start saying, okay, I'm going to charge market rate. And so a lot of that just goes into doing research in the same way that you would for a job, right? Like before, like I always talk about houses because I love HGTV. If you were to sell your house, right, you wouldn't just put it on the market, see who strolls in the door and then accept what like the first offer that came in. You wouldn't just say like, oh, okay, they want to buy it my whole million dollar house that is selling everywhere else for $20,000 just because I didn't do that research. Like you want to know what you're worth before you start having those conversations. So say you're a coach, you want to know like what other people are charging. So maybe, you know, people of your level are charging, let's say 125 um, for a one hour coaching session. If you know that and you've, you've talked to five other people who are like, yeah, I charge about 125 uh, for a one hour session. Then when you have that conversation with your first client and they say, well, how much you won't be like, um, well, you know, I just started and, um, like, you know, I just really want to help you. So what would you want to pay? Right. We wouldn't put that, that control in the person say walking through the door of our house. We wouldn't say it's up to you to decide. You have to decide at a certain point, you know, you're not working for free. I'm going to go up to the market rate. And that's, you know, based on my research, 125. So how can you talk about it in a way that is that way you have to practice honestly like there's so many times where i'm just literally driving in my car talking to myself as if i'm talking to a client or even just like how i present myself because you i don't want to wait until i'm in the ring to have that that discussion i want to be prepared for it um, and be like yes my coaching is 125 my coaching is 125 i provide great value my coaching is 125 um, so that when you come to that time it's like a negotiation itself like where you're actually in the company it's just like this is what i'm worth and this is what i think that you know i would love to start at what do you say so i think that that's part of it kind of a long-winded answer um but you know it's a dance between doing things for free in the beginning you know just to get your feet wet starting to understand things ideally you're doing this if you are thinking about quitting your job like do as much work as you can before you quit your job and just think of your employer as your angel investor who's investing in your business and in the meantime once you get to this place where you're feeling a little bit more comfortable then yeah like then you can go to that next level and begin charging again based on research is always the best because then that's when you're going to feel like i'm not 
just pulling this out of my butt. Like this is what <laughs> this is what's going on in the world, and therefore that's what we're charging. And and other people respect you for it because if you are a coach where everyone else is charging five hundred an hour and you're co- coaching for fifty dollars an hour, they're gonna be like, is she really good? Should I trust her? Should I give her my money? So it's important to know what the market is going for and then just own it. Like that's what the market is and that's what I'm going to sell it for. I just want to repeat something that you said because I feel like this is the mindset shift that people who are in a job that maybe they don't love and they want to quit to do their own Mm -hmm. thing is treat your current day job as an angel investor in your business. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I loved how you put that so succinctly, but it's such an important point because I get it. Like the short end of my story is my last full-time job. And I only ever had three full-time jobs in my life. Um, (laughs) No, my second to last full-time job before the job that I had before I got on the path of becoming an entrepreneur was as a teacher. And I was so miserable there's a lot that I can say about all the jobs I had, but that's the one that I straight up hated the most. And and you're a middle school teacher, right? I was a middle school teacher. And it makes me so sad to say because I'm a person that wants to help and I really do like kids and I really did get into it because I wanted to help the kids, but I just mm-hmm. flat out hated that job. <laughs> and <laughs> But I stuck it out. I stuck it out longer than I wanted to because I needed funding for my mm-hmm. business and I, I needed a way to start testing things out before I just took the leap and quit that job. So I get, I get having a job that you hate and that really makes you miserable. But the reality is running a business is, it's hard and it takes a lot of effort and a lot, it just takes a lot of everything. And it's a literal emotional roller coaster. So if you have the safety net of a full-time job that can pay your bills and help sustain your family, Mm -hmm. then Try to shift your mindset about how you're viewing that job and don't think of it as like the devil, <laughs> you know, try to try to view it as like the angel investor that's just making an, a current investment into your future business. Absolutely. Because when you start, your, if you think about like this, if you straight up quit your job, um, when's the next time every two weeks you're going to get, say, a paycheck for one thousand five hundred? Like if when you have a business like getting that paycheck of one thousand five hundred every two weeks, you'd be like, oh, my God, I've made it. So like once you quit like that is suddenly gone and it helps to have it. So one thing that, like you said, you know, it's not the devil, even if you can just show gratitude, like even if you get if you physically get your paycheck still and you have to like deposit it, even just like mentally saying, like, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to afford my dreams and then like deposit it. You know what I mean? If you can create like little mental things like that, that help you see it as a positive thing. Like I used to keep a journal at work um, with like what I like what I walked away with that day, like what I learned, how it grew and how it helped me for my future. So even just that little bit um, will help you to have a little bit of more gratitude and a little bit more grace while you're there, if you will, um, just so that you can appreciate it and not see it as this kind of like, oh, what a drag. I have to go here every day. It's like dope. I only have to be here for eight day, eight hours, and then I'm going to get this bomb ass paycheck and then I can go work for the rest of the time on the thing that's important to me. Like if you can make that shift, that's that's really cool. And if you can't and you're one of those people who are like, I'm out, I got to get out, I'm all for that too. You know what I mean? Like if you put yourself in the place financially where you're like, I'm out, I'll figure it out as I go. Maybe you do that. Maybe you have to go back to work for a while. Maybe you have to pick up a part-time job. Like 
that's all part of the journey too. And so there's not a certain way that you need to do it, but for as long as you can manage it, like, yeah, use that money as, as your angel investor to, to keep things going and to allow you to grow and invest in yourself in the way that you want to. Boom. Boom. <laughs> all right. So I want to ask you about some of the challenges that you have faced running your business. Spill them. Yeah. What you got? <laughs> Um, I think like anyone, it's, you know, uh, putting yourself out there is really, really, really scary. Um, and for me, like the whole imposter syndrome, wh- like, what am I doing? Like, why would anybody listen to me was so, so, so strong. And honestly, it's still strong today, but I've learned to cool it a little bit. I've learned to see outside of it like, oh, that's just the scared voice inside of me. That's not the real me voice or that's just a part of me, but that's not the whole me. But putting yourself out there is really scary. Talking about yourself is really scary. Trying to sell yourself is really scary. I think it's all scary. Honestly, it's all hard, but there's a bigger vision pulling. Like I really love, I love when I hear stories of people like, oh my God, I just got an email uh, yesterday morning. I can't, I got $20,000 more. Like that makes my day. Or if I have somebody where they email me, be like, I listened to every single one of your podcasts within the last week because I just binged it. And this has helped me to have the courage to take a leap in my life. Like that means so much for me. So you have to find those moments that mean a lot for you. I have a folder on my desktop that just, you know, is screenshots. I got screenshots for success where I just screenshot every time I get a positive thing to remind me because there's a lot of lows, um, honestly, a lot of days. And I was just talking about this with a friend where she was just like, I'm so grateful for when people share the bad times of a business because I like to know that I'm not the only one who cries myself to sleep maybe once a month. Like it's it's a re- it's a real thing that it's it's kind of difficult. Um, so you have to savor those wonderful moments, um, and you have to look for what's working and what's not. Also, not only what's working financially, but what's working. You know, this is something you and me talk about, Monique, where it's just like what's working for your soul, like what's feeling in alignment with you, and what's not. Maybe something sounds good on paper, but then you're just like, I don't think I really want to do this anymore. Like this doesn't really make sense, or this is what I thought it was. So being okay to let go of that, um, which is also very difficult. Like it's very difficult to let go of things, especially if you've been building it up for so long. And you also have plenty of people who are like, Oh, um, you know, I, now I'm doing this thing. And then now I'm not, you know, what are they going to think of me? Are they going to think I'm a flake? Are they going to think that I'm not, you know, really committed to what I'm doing? Um, So there's so much judgment. A lot of it is mental that we have to live with. And that's probably the most difficult thing. But again, if you can find those those little nuggets, those screenshots for success, the happy moments, also connections with other people who like you are going through hard times, but are continuing to push through it, um, you know, like our relationship that that makes it all the better. So that's what I would say. There's no cherry on top. It's just hard, but you make it through it and it's worth it. Yeah, that it is. I I try to say that as much as I can, like it really is difficult. And a lot of people are just like, I want control over my time and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, yes, and that's great. But I'm telling you, I don't know a single person who runs a business that feels happy about it every single day. All of us sit at some point every month where it's just like, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is not working. This I'm going is, back to work. I'm going back to work. It would be so much easier. I would just only have to do 40 hours and I could go about my business. Like yeah. it just wouldn't be this whole thing that it is. So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Yeah. 
to repeat something that you said on my podcast, um, it was that which is the discomfort that you want to live with. You know, you can be in a job, though, at the end of the day, and you're not loving it and you want to get out. Or you can deal with the discomfort of doing the thing that's important with you and growing and it being hard. So they're both not going to be easy all the time. They're both going to be not comfortable. They're no, both not ever going to be like the most ideal cherry on top. Probably there's always going to be hard things. So you just have to decide for yourself which one you want to live with. Um, and I think for both of us, it's like, yeah, there's there's a lot of impact that we want to make. So that's the road that we're going to take. And so we're happy to take it. Yep. And this is why I do what I do, people, because <laughs> I have chosen that this this discomfort is the one that I, I want to ride out the storm with. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it's different for other people. Everybody, you know, different strokes for different folks, which is why yeah. I try to interview like such a diverse group of it's mainly women. I, I am not anti-guy. I've had one guy on here. I've asked a few other guys and they haven't delivered. So that's why we don't have very many men. But, <laughs> but you know, um, why I try to just showcase a bunch of different people doing a bunch of different businesses and the more creative and offbeat, the better, because I really want people to see like, there's no one way to do this. Like there's so many yeah. different ways and not everybody has to be a graphic designer or a coach or anything like you can run a sticker business and <laughs> I have interviewed somebody who's run a sticker yeah. business and it's successful. So there's a lot of things that you can do if you're willing to hustle it and kind of get it out there. Yeah. I would also want to add that like, um, you know, a difficult part of the journey has been owning what you actually want to do. Um, I remember when I first started thinking about um, you know, doing my own business or helping people, I really wanted to help empower people financially. And one of the things that I had even written in one of my journals, like way back, like one of my very first journals for this was like, oh yeah, maybe someday I could he help people with salary negotiation. This whole thing came up though, of like, you don't like, what do you know about salary negotiation? Like you didn't go to, so many people ask me even still like, oh, well, did you go to law school? Is that what, how you know to negotiate? I'm like, oh no, like, but back then it was like, oh, do I need to go to crazy schooling? Like, how can I get the experience of being this expert negotiator? So therefore, like, this isn't a valid dream because like this is never going to be possible for me. So it was put on the back burner. And then, you know, the, it kept bubbling up in random ways over the years. And still, even now, it was just like, wait, why did I wait so long? But a difficult thing is that sometimes it takes you a while to own what that dream is and to step into it. And that's okay. Um, that's okay if it takes you a while to step into what maybe even was the first dream that you had. Um, so being patient with yourself and like having a little bit of self-love through those times is really important, I think, because it's really easy for me to be like, oh, if I had started this then four or five years ago, when I have been so much further ahead? It's like, well, I can't go back in time. I needed to get and do the things that I needed to do in order to get to the place that I am to be able to make this impact at the level that I'm going to make it now. That's, I want to echo, like, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, something that a friend said to me a few years ago, and I see it differently, but I can, I understand what she said, but she was like, I feel like every couple of years, like you reinvent yourself and like you just change course and you do something completely different. And I don't see it as a reinventation. I see it as every year that I do this work, I find what I'm more and more suited to do. And oh, so yeah. it takes a while. It takes a while to try to cut things off and let things go that worked or that you've been known for. Like the t-shirt line that I have forever. Like it wasn't the easiest thing to say, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. But I just realized over time, like, even though I love parts of that work, like that just wasn't the thing anymore. Yeah. And as you sit with yourself more, like you just start to figure out what really works for you and what doesn't. 
And yeah. I think there's um, some power in knowing when to shift and do something else or, or pick up a new skill or move forward on a different path. And it's not always easy to let those things go. But what you just said about um, continuing to move forward, like you just have to. It's a part of mm-hmm. what's required if you decide that you want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. One thing I like to like as a visual, what I always um, say to people is that like I like to think of it like, um, you know, a circle that's a spiral that's moving inward. So like it feels like you're like going in circles or it feels like you're moving and you're like can't stay put in somewhere. But really what's happening is you're getting closer and closer and closer to your core of who you are and what you're meant to do. So anytime I have to move, pivot or change. If I can just remind myself, actually, though, what I'm doing is I've, you know, I've learned new information about myself. I've like seen different things and now I'm ready to get closer to the center of that circle. So that movement is OK because actually you're just getting close to who you really are. Um, and, it, and it's all progress in that way. Yep. And I love that visual. That's a really good. Mm. I'm going to steal that and remember that <laughs> <laughs> next time somebody's like, what do you do when you pivot? I'm just like, you're, yeah. you're spiraling inner closer to your core. Got it. Locked and loaded in my mind. (laughs) All right. So here we are at my favorite part of the show, which is your Pimp Your Brilliance Action Challenge. And Kat is going to share with us three steps to ask more out of life. Yes. Okay. So I tried to think about this um, in a way of like, how can this apply for many different people? You know, if you are listening and you have, um, you know, a job and you're thinking about how can you ask for more, I want to talk about in that way. But I also want to talk about in the way of like, you're trying to put yourself out there, especially if you have um, a business that's just starting or or growing. um, How can you begin to put yourself out there and begin to ask for more out of this life? Um, So the very first step that I always talk about is how you can allow yourself to dream more. So when I think about for salary, for instance, the very first time I negotiated my salary, I allowed myself to dream up what would be the most crazy salary. And for me, honestly, at that time, the most crazy salary felt like $45,000. I was like, oh my God, if I made $45,000, like I would have made it. And It was that allowing myself to dream to that level, which at the time felt really big and scary, is what actually opened up the opportunities for those jobs to come into place, right? It allowed me to begin saying, okay, if I want $45,000, what are the opportunities that line up with that? And if a job doesn't line up with that, then unless it's a company I really, really, really love and a position I really love, like this just isn't right for me. In the same way, like if you are doing a business, you want to allow yourself to dream crazy big. So say if you say to yourself like, oh my God, I would love to be featured in like um, an online magazine or something like that. If you don't allow yourself to dream of that thing, you'll never allow for the opportunity to exist, right? So you'll never know like, you know, if something comes along your way, if it's something that you should act on. Or, you know, what I was recently talking to a fellow business partner about is how you can strategize. Like say you want to be featured in some place. Well, do you have a list? of all the editors that work there have you ever you know say if you're active on twitter have you ever retweeted the articles that they do have you ever mentioned the articles that they do and taught and referenced them and said like oh my god really love what at ashley blah 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 um says in this article about you know financial empowerment if you're not putting yourself in that position um because you haven't allowed yourself to dream at first then those opportunities won't come so that's the first step allow yourself to dream so that those opportunities will come and then the second thing that i want to say is don't negotiate against yourself before the negotiation ever takes place. So what I mean by that 
is that when we go into a job, you know, say for the $45,000 position I was thinking about, if I said, well, this is my dream, but actually, you know what, that seems like crazy. And so, you know, even if I just get 35, that would be great. I've negotiated against myself before the negotiation has even happened. So one, maybe I won't apply for jobs that are really that high that I initially opened myself up to. But two, once it comes time to it and during the interview process or during the actual negotiation, when they say, well, how much are you expecting or how much do you want? I'm not going to confidently be able to say $45,000 because I've negotiated against myself. So then I'm going to say, well, you know, I'd be happy to start at 35 What's going to happen is if you do that, say for a negotiation, they're going to be like, well, you know, I can't do 35, but how about 32? However, if you'd start the conversation at 45 because you hadn't negotiated against yourself, they might say, you know what, 45 is pretty high, but, you know, we can get closer to 40. How does that sound? So that's super important when it comes to, you know, a negotiation if you're working. But the same thing applies, you know, when it comes to pitching yourself. Let's go back to that example. If you negotiate against yourself and then if you, you know, send an initial pitch out to an editor and then you don't hear back from them and you negotiate against yourself, you're like, you know what, they're not interested. I'm never going to do that again. Um, I, I don't think that they want me, then what's going to happen is you don't allow for them to ever respond to that because you've already put that out there. However, if you don't negotiate against yourself, then you would actually follow up and you'd be like, Hey, just want to circle back. You know, is this a, a story that's interesting to you? I'd really love to get it in front of your readers because I think that blink and blink is really important, especially with, I don't know, ha- Halloween right around the corner um, sort of thing. So if you negotiate against yourself again, whatever your position is, you won't be in the place to be able to allow that thing to actually come to fruition. And also you're just lowering your expectations about what's going to happen. And if you do that, it's most likely that it's not going to reach that peak that it could have become otherwise. And then the third one that I want to recommend is really to embrace rejection. Um, When it comes to, you know, putting ourselves out there for the jobs that we apply for, oftentimes, especially as women, we do statistically only apply for jobs that we think that we can actually get. We don't apply as much for jobs that we don't think that we can get. But what happens is in a way we're negotiating against ourselves, right? We're not allowing for that opportunity to happen. So if number three, if you can embrace in rejection, you just say, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to put out my resume to five companies like maybe I won't get, but I would love to work there and maybe one of them pans out. And so what a beautiful thing for that one thing to pan out just because you allowed yourself to be open to rejection in the same way, you know, if we go back to the pitching. If you were to say, oh, like, you know, I don't want to embrace rejection. I only want to get the ones that I'm going to get. Then maybe say you'd only start pitching to really, really small blogs, which is great. Like, that's wonderful to get out there. But if you don't allow yourself to, say, pitch to five incredible big blogs or big magazines, then you'll never allow for that opportunity to happen. So to kind of recap, the three things again are you want to allow yourself to dream and that opens up the opportunities. And the second one is make sure that you're not negotiating against yourself because that won't put you in a position to win. And then the third one is to embrace rejection because through doing it, again, those opportunities will open up and you never know what's going to happen. Essentially, what I say for negotiation students and clients is that whole idea, if you never ask, the answer is always no. So put yourself out there. And again, coming back to ask for more out of life, just ask, you don't know what's going to happen. All right. So those were three (laughs) really great tips. Thank you for sharing those. You're welcome. And then quick, I talk fast. No, no, it was good. It was perfect. (laughs) So tell me this. I I love to ask, like, what are you reading currently? What have you read recently that we should know about? 
Ooh. Okay. Well, right now I'm on a little bit of a inspiration detox because what happens is I read, um, I tend to read a lot of nonfiction and I know everyone's always like read fiction. Um, and it's a great way to become more creative, but like, I can't read fiction. A lot of times I'm, my mind's always like, what's the next tactic? What's the next tactic? So I've gone on a little bit of a detox in terms of reading, but what I have been doing instead is, um, watching different series. So like, I love some of the women, um, executive producers that have been creating a amazing content. So like Jessica Biel created um, Sinner, which I think was on USA, uh, but I just watched it on Netflix. And it is amazing to be able to allow myself to just like, uh, I don't know, one step into the role of like, to this position of like complex women, um, but to just to like see the work that they're doing, like the stories are just incredible. And the other one that I loved, um, well, two of the other ones that I loved um, was Little Big Lies um, with that was produced by Reese Witherspoon. I mean, she did an amazing job. She also produced Gone Girl. Um, I love, I love film. I love TV um, and the stories that are told because I do think actually that, you know, the celebrities, they celebrities that we see and the stories that we see really, really, really do play a huge role. And, um, you know, the people that we think that we can become. So that was a big one in the complex women that were a part of that. And then also Handmaid's Tale, like that is intense, but the dystopian future that you see a part of that, um, just really gets me to think, especially in terms of like women's empowerment and the importance of advocating for ourselves. And because it can be a very slippery slope when we get all of our rights taken away, um, which may be happening right now and what will happen and it can happen in a very short time. It's very scary. So, you know, it's really important, I think, for women to be, you know, uh, speaking up and owning it. And part of that is uh, women storytellers, um, like the executive producers. And so that's why I've been focusing on that sort of work. Awesome. OK, so I'll yeah. list some of those shows in the show notes. And right. if listeners want to get in contact with you, where can they find you online? Well, they can find me at KathleenHart.com, which I'm sure you'll link up because it's very hard to spell. Um, and then I love playing on Instagram. I'm at Hustle and Heart, which again, too hard to spell, but it's H-U-S-T-L-Y-N-H-A-R-T. Um, but if you want some like tips in terms of salary negotiation and really being able to, you know, uh, put yourself out there, learn how to ask, even get some of my scripts. I would love to be able to help you get more money. Um, like I said, my favorite thing is getting emails where it's like, I got $20,000 more. So if you're in that position and you're particularly interested in learning how you can um, increase your salary and learn how to confidently negotiate your salary, um, you can text the words top scripts as one word. So it's T-O-P-S-C-R-I-P-T-S to 44222. So if you um, text that to 44222, I'll send you some of my top scripts and then I'll follow up with more emails um, and resources so that I can be able to help you earn more money so that you can, you know, create that life that you want to live. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Kat, for being on the show. As always, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. So this was great. You shared so many good gems and resources and hopefully the listeners got like super fired up and some people are going to go out there and make something happen with their salaries yes i hope so it was so fun talking with you i mean i i can't say enough if we circle back to negotiation in terms of the workplace they expect you to do it if you're a business owner and you're negotiating with other people they probably have the budget to do it everything is negotiable put yourself out there if you don't ask the answer is always no all right on that note I'm just going to say, go out there, pimp your brilliance.